Hello and a big warm welcome to you to the Aware Parenting and Natural Learning podcast with Marion Rose and Joss Golden. We are really passionate about practicing aware parenting and natural learning together and would love to offer you information and inspiration to support you if you feel called to practice these in your family too. Hello and a big one. Welcome to you. My name's Marion Rose. And my name is Joss Golden. And we are so excited to be bringing this episode to you, which is all about learning through play. So we're returning to Aletha Salter's beautiful principles of learning, which you can find on her website under the article section. And we're really basically going through them and, and expanding, expounding on, on what she's talking about there. Yes. Yeah. So we spoke about the first two last week. And these ones are very much about how to support children's learning through having hands-on, real-life, fun, playful and suitable, enjoyable activities for our children to learn. Yeah, and isn't that just so such a yummy part of parenting and particularly with aware parenting when we bring in attachment play as well and we understand that that play is not this thing that's often seen as our culture as this kind of frivolous mm-hmm. thing that also, you know, and that there's so much judgment around, you know, play something that just children do like that, you know, the shaming and the judgment, but actually it's an incredibly powerful, one of the most healing, powerful processes that we have as human beings and that children are constantly learning through play and healing through play and that actually we can really reclaim that in ourselves if we've disconnected from that growing up in this culture that we can reclaim that and actually have a much more wonderful time in our parenting journey particularly if we are at home a lot with our children and know that whole again the idea that oh gosh you know that's drudgery and and yes it can be hard at times and we are designed to live in big culture big communities of lots of people where everyone's helping out so yes it's so normal and natural and we send you love and empathy if it's hard and there's something about the whole shift of paradigm with aware parenting and natural learning that I experienced that actually I experienced so much joy and pleasure in those particularly you know when my children were younger and we were doing lots of just hanging out and playing and having fun and it we really can shift that paradigm away from the drudgery and that play is kind of meaningless and you know silly but actually it's it makes life more wonderful and it's powerful as well. Mm. Yeah I love that aware parenting really recognizes and values play as such a huge part of our parenting adventures with our children. And I love how when we understand that and we do recognize that it's not a frivolous, silly waste of time activity or something sort of extra to do, but actually have it as like an intrinsic part of every single day that we are with our children and how it supports so much connection and safety and relationship with our children. And it then allows them to heal and to release and to express lots of feelings, either through laughter or or through tears often that come into play. And that they are geniuses at finding exactly the games that they need in order to work through exactly whatever it is that they're trying to understand and that they are processing in that moment. So it just fills so many different perfect requirements and, and helpful things for our children to, to be allowed and to, to be supported with this, this beautiful attachment play that is a very precise way of playing with our children. And it's not just because often parents say, oh, yeah, I play with my children a lot. But with attachment play, we're really looking at very specific ways of playing with our children in order to meet specific needs and that the whole process is so connecting and so joyful and fun and yet yeah, all the power that it gives us to, like you say, reclaim our playful side, to reconnect to that joy and to counter a lot of that serious and stressful responsibility of parenting. Mm, I love what you said about them being geniuses at it. It's it's really, again, a reframe, isn't it? I think so much of this, of course, with natural learning and aware parenting, they're both complete reframes of some of the core concepts that we that we grow up with this in this in this culture. But just yeah, to see how how rather than 
mm, I'm feeling annoyed. My child's just, you know, jumping on my back every time I lean over to, wow, what, what, how are they being a genius here at play? What are they inviting? What's actually going on for them? I really mm. I actually remember that one day shift for me with my son where it literally, it's funny, of course, that I think of that example that if I ever was leaning down to, you know, sweep up or, you know, pick up things on the floor or I was in a shop and we were together and I was looking at I remember even one example and I was looking at the it was in a clothes shop for children's things and I was looking at things at the, the lower level and he jumped on my back and I remember just that actually having this kind of pivotal moment when I realized oh you know from the kind of annoyance to of course of course what's actually going on for him here what is he inviting uh, and I had a sense it was around powerlessness and he was enjoying that sense of I can jump on the top of you and just really that shift in what are they inviting as well as being compassionate to ourselves when we do feel annoyed or frustrated mm -hmm. or overwhelmed or exhausted or all of those things but to, to actually see where what's the genius here what are they inviting where is their natural wisdom showing through here it's just such a different lens through which to see children and play isn't it Mm, yeah, and it allows us to trust our children again and to deepen that sense of trust and cultivate more of it in our lives because, yeah, we do see them engaged in these incredibly therapeutic and amazing behaviours that they are doing and that they are bringing more laughter to their life so that they can release those feelings of powerlessness and frustration and that they are deliberately choosing to engage in games which are incredibly healing for them or you know they might be reliving their birth experience through play or they might be I mean there are thousands of ways every day that we see our children using play as a way to, to connect with us and to heal and and release accumulated feelings from their body and it's interesting how in school play is very much seen as a you know a, a, a thing something that's offered in little chunks during the day but isn't actually the main business of school the main business of school is is sitting down and drawing a picture that the teacher has told you to draw or sitting down and having the teacher read you a story or whatever it is that's been decided for that day to be the activities and play is just like okay well now you can have a quick snack and then go out and have a quick play and then then we're back to doing the learning so it, the the actual learning value of playing is is seems to be really still very misunderstood yeah, but yet it's one of the key elements, isn't it? It's one of the key purposes of play. And I think about that, you know, I've got a, we have a puppy at the moment and just seeing uh, through small animals as well are doing the same thing. They're playing in order to learn about what is required of them in, in the world that they're growing up in. And, you know, if we to really to see that, that, that it's all forms of learning are happening through play. And, and that includes all the things that we that we see as more valuable in this culture, like the, you know, the the numbers and all of those kinds of things. But actually, they're learning all the things through play. Everything, you know, the, all the ways they're copying us, or they may be, you know, pretending to, um, you know, cook cook a meal, or they're pretending to uh, be busy at work. You know, they're 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 watching us, they're copying us, they're learning about life and what's required of them in in this culture and. And the most helpful way to do that is through play. It's the it's the way that, that we're designed to learn, isn't it? Rather than these kind of separate out of life experiences. Yes. Yeah, it's not there's no often these learning activities are quite contrived and sort of deliberately set up to in order to teach a particular thing. Whereas in play our children are just naturally exploring whatever it is that they want to explore and they're, like you say, they're learning so many different things. It could be your know, fine motor control from, you know, picking up things and moving things around or building things with Lego. And, you know, there are just so many learning opportunities in, in every time. And if you sit down and actually watch your child really closely while they're playing, which can be such a gorgeous gift of things like special time, that non-directive child-centered play, and we actually get to really observe our children. And when we look at them with this sense of wonder at what they're doing, we can see just this amazing amazing like genius is, is the word isn't it as they are working things out as they are exploring things as they are releasing feelings it's just such a beautiful process to observe and that's the other beautiful thing about having our children at home is that we do we get to observe this day in day out we get to see them learning all these things acquiring this amazing understanding of the world copying learning new skills getting better at doing things all through fun having fun 
Yeah, and isn't it amazing to really witness, like, if we look at a baby as well, like at every age, these things that are, there's somebody, who is it that talks about the serious business of play? There's some, one of the, I can't remember who it is, my apologies for not, for not but, but just, you know, the that way that they're really engrossed and involved and so just deeply diving into something and exploring it and so passionate about it whilst they're playing. And there's something about that quality of play, isn't it, that it's, that it's all consuming, like they're fully in the playing, whatever it is that they're playing, whether they're playing, uh, you know, and, and including like, you know, the cooking, making the cooking playful or making the, you know, going shopping and choosing what to buy, which food to buy and how much it weighs and how much money things cost, all of those things that are that are just part of life. And I do think it's one of that pivotal shifts in way of thinking about things, isn't it, from the... Yeah, yes, play is something that is not valuable and isn't learning to actually learning and play are so pivot, pivotally intertwined and magical and, and just wise ways. Like, of course, isn't, isn't nature wonderful? Aren't our, isn't our wisdom wonderful? That Of course, that we would learn in a way that's actually enjoyable and fun and, and involving and engrossing in ways that we actually want to because, you know, that's a kind of survival instinct, isn't it? Makes mm. so much sense. Yeah, and that when you're just going through life and your children are finding opportunities to play and playing around the the real life living activities that you're engaged in, that can be so beautiful to witness too. And often when we think of play and toys and, and things for children, increasingly it becomes you know battery operated big plastic things that beep and shine and that where you press buttons and different things happen. And often, I mean, there is that joke, isn't it, that you buy this very expensive present for your child and what they love playing with most is the box that it came in, not the actual toy. <laughs> and so that's often a beautiful reality of, of being at home and just living life and allowing play to, to come up naturally through all of the different things that you're, that you're doing during the day, rather than having like specific d toys designed by somebody else that, that are often very overstimulating, actually, for our children and um, so it's you're seeing that joyful, playful learning through through often very simple and beautiful real life activities. Oh, yes, you know I, I was also really into Montessori and I loved the whole prepared environment idea and I loved that window, particularly around one and a half to four where they just were so passionate about doing the everyday things. So I bought them like little small, you know, broom and little washing line. And and they would just love, absolutely love hanging up clothes or sweeping up. So we would do it all together. And it was like, oh my gosh, this is really fun. This isn't drudgery. This is just, it helped me re remember the, the joy of presence and the joy of actually being in an activity and actually seeing them enjoy doing that so much so just like of course this is so there isn't that divide for children that you know this is work this is in other words in our culture often work means doing something that's kind of the drudgery mm -hmm. and this is fun it's like oh this is okay here this is this is to be done and wow how fun it is look we can polish here and we can sweep here I, I feel so much joy remembering that and I do want to say that I really remember in the end mm, going oh this is a lot though as well you know it's a lot to be present and to you know tidy up afterwards like if they're cooking like where stuff gets everywhere often in the early days and mm -hmm. kind of then going back to no I want to do these things and I really saw the impact there compared to other parents who kept on really having their children involved in doing those everyday things and ended up with teenagers who, who were doing all the all that still happy to do cleaning and stuff like that I certainly would recommend anyone who's doing that to to keep going when even if it is a bit extra work to clear up <laughs> afterwards is because you know then they retain that enjoyment in doing those things yeah yeah and so many learning opportunities coming up and I mean I remember you're talking about like playing and, and preparing food and all that kind of stuff and I remember my daughter really learning to write through she used to love playing games where for example she would be the waitress and she would come and take my order and then she would go into the kitchen and make me something to eat but that was how she learned to write was to write down and, and first when she was little she she was just like doing squiggles on a page and not actually writing words but then you know as she got older she was really wanting to write how do you spell tea mommy or how do you spell you know and so so many beautiful learning opportunities just by doing everyday activities with them yeah so so 
so beautiful to watch and to be part of it. And yeah, it is difficult. And of course, there are times when we feel really overwhelmed and play feels like another job for us and, and we're stressed and we're tired and all of those things. But interestingly, the more that we see the value of attachment play and the more that we're able to incorporate it deliberately into our lives as well, the more our children are supported to release feelings through laughter and through tears and the more connected and safe they feel to us. And so the less of that accumulated feelings they have. And so the less of that behavior, those challenging behaviors we're likely to see. And so it does actually make life easier and more joyful and more straightforward for us because we are choosing and we're saying you know don't go and you don't need to go and play for four hours with your child and do special time and non-directive play for hours until they've had enough of it actually we're saying you know we're going to offer you special time and it's for 10 minutes and then the time is going to go off and through that process you've built connection you've had this beautiful time together and then the time going off is, is the opportunity to set a loving limit and then at the end of all that process your children will go off and play independently so actually it, it is easier for us when we remember to do these things regularly in our family because they've offloaded all the feelings they feel safe they feel connected they feel joyful and then they're off playing and often they're off playing for a long time by themselves and then we are we have more time to do the jobs we have to do and hey maybe we could sit down and have a cup of tea and <laughs> do something nice for us as well so it's it's it saves us time and it builds us beautiful relationships Yes, exactly. And I think that's one of the things, don't you? I think often I hear parents who do send their children to school is often like, oh, you know, I need a break and it's so hard. And the, you know, my experience was the more feelings I was able to listen to and the more I was able to do attachment play, then actually it just became most of the time just really harmonious and fun and they were calm and relaxed in their bodies and they slept really long time. That You know, it was a joke in our family that going off to if there were any homeschooling activities that we'd always be late because they'd always sleep sleep till like I, I don't remember 8 eight thirty, whatever actually you know adding in the extra elements I can really understand if people are, are just doing natural learning or homeschooling but they don't have that aware parenting element that if if we've got children who are really agitated and antsy and they've got big feelings that are sitting right at the surface that are leading to all the kinds of things that we know happen when children have got lots of big feelings that they're really trying to express to us that it does become a lot harder and a lot more unenjoyable so there is something as well about that enjoyment of when we do combine these two is ah, the kind of relief that actually life can be an enjoyable experience that the, the main priority can be connection and fun and just enjoying living life rather than all these other things that our culture tells us are the most important things mm. yeah and so often when children going to school when they have school holiday time and you get to go to the beach and just or you know play or go out and do whatever you want to do and have fun that's that's our everyday life and, and because we're used to being together all the time you, we get into these rhythms where it's it's so much easier I think when you have that sharp contrast between going to school and, and then having time off either at weekends or in holidays it, it, it's a juggle to sort of adjust to being together and so when we are with our children all the time and we get into these rhythms and we see their invitations to play and we can just respond in that moment and it's just a it's just this beautiful lovely journey through and and sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's yeah sometimes the behavior is really challenging and there are lots of feelings to listen to so I'm, I'm, I really understand that and there are also lots of times when we feel overwhelmed but we're on this beautiful journey this beautiful like flowing life responding to them listening to feelings when their feelings need to be heard whenever we can playing whenever they invite us to do so or whenever we see that that would be helpful in that moment and so life does end up feeling smoother and easier and more more joyful mm. yes and I'd love to add as well like if there are if there's more than one child so if they're siblings again I've really noticed that again the difference if if children are going to school and often because they're they're separated into different years and I think there's the school culture really does create separation often between siblings and you know the the kind of again this this belief in our culture they you know that that oh you know you're a baby you know so being younger is being like a you know lesser than rather than you know the way we see it it's like 
yeah, every age is gorgeous and wonderful and, and you know, there's so much wisdom in it in every age. And I, I do think again that being at home with aware parenting, with natural learning really supports har- much more harmony between siblings, you know, particularly if we're able to listen to lots of feelings and support them with attachment play. So again, I found it just so wonderful. My children just loved being with each other until, you know, I share the journey about what happened, you know, when their dad and I split up and then and it wasn't like that for some while. But so again, rather than this idea that siblings will always be fighting, that actually again we can support this kind of environment so that, that again there's there's a lot of harmony and there's a lot of enjoyment and as siblings of really different ages can be together and doing things together and you know I also remember having lots of different activities so if one of them was doing a puzzle I'd I'd go I'd have a puzzle for that would be a helpful one you know for the other age so there were ways of like always being together and doing similar things often but just you know one of them might be doing it having a little sewing kit and then I'd have a you know, an initial little sewing kit that's just like in and out with a, you know, mm. and then there would be a more advanced one. So, you know, there are ways that we, we could really, you know, all be together different with different capacities and different skills, but actually doing things together and having fun together. And I just loved that so much. Mm. Yeah, I have so many beautiful memories of my children playing together for hours on end and just, yeah, it was, it's so so beautiful to watch and of course lots of moments as well where things were challenging and difficult between them which is also part of it but then you know you just can see that when you understand this aware parenting perspective and you can see that that is just a that showing you that they've got accumulated feelings or, or that they have unmet needs but usually it's a feelings thing and when there's conflict between them and then so it's about you know, do we have capacity to listen to feelings now? Yes, listen to feelings, and then it's over. Do we have capacity to listen to feelings now? No, right? Okay. So what do we need so that we what do we need as as the parents so that we do then have capacity? And then, like the more that we are able to welcome feelings, the more we're able to see these behaviors as oh god the kids not as like oh god the kids are fighting again, but oh yeah okay they need me they need my help. And then the more promptly that we can respond to them and the fact that we're not putting them in an environment that creates more stress day in, day out means that we can quickly get them to to a stage where they feel balanced again, where they feel back, where they feel calm, where they feel loving and where they're enjoying playing together again. So it's always that process that you have to go through, but it's just it felt felt just so magical so often. Yeah. Yes. Yay for the magicalness. Yum. (laughs) Do you know, I thought I'd love to go back to Aletha's um, yeah. number three and number four, really. Oh, hang on, actually, probably. And there's a few actually that are really relevant to this. I'd love to read out. So number three is concept formation and abstract thinking arise naturally out of concrete experiences. Children learn best by discovery through hands-on experiences rather than direct verbal instruction. Mm. And really, that speaks to so much of what we've been talking about is actually... The, the the deep deep embodied learning that happens through lived experience rather than being told about something mm-hmm. and actually i'm really remembering here the 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 film schooling the world that we've talked about by carol black i recommend everybody watch that many times and there's that time where the children are sitting inside and they're and they're all at the computers and they're learning things about the world and outside the window are the it's the Himalayas, isn't it? I'm in my geography. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. They're looking and these are majestic mountains just sitting outside there and they are inside there's something again that uh, just like oh my gosh the the devastation and I'm not anti-computers I love computers and and there's so much learning that we can do and you know where is the learning that can be happening in our bodies in our lived experience in joy and play that is is going to be a million times more well learnt and and felt than something that's much more actually, particularly for younger children you know particularly you know that, that that's their main way of learning is really through doing not through not through being told about stuff and you know how much more wonderful to get to actually you know play at the foothills of the Himalayas and be looking up and seeing how the clouds move across at different times and the shadows change as the sun moves across the sky and you know all of those kinds of things which would be a whole different level of experience that is 
you know, with, with us forever rather than being told, which is why, you know, still for me, wasn't that a perfect example? Like, I'm still like, what is it the Himalayas? <laughs> because, <laughs> I, oh my gosh, what was the test? Oh no, I've got the test. I'm, I'm you know, I'm not going to get 10 out of 10, you know, all of that. It's like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's, that's that real life sense of actual yeah engagement and connection with the real world around us is, and yeah, there is this expectation that because so much learning in schools is through ver direct verbal instruction, so many children are unable to tolerate that. Yeah, it's not just that it's not the best way for them to learn. It's also really difficult and can be very traumatic for children, like especially children who like to move more and children who, who want to naturally be engaged and, and being active and, and learning through all of their senses rather than just through auditory processing. You know, where's the Where's the sensory element of the learning? You know, where is the, the visual element of the learning? Where is uh, yeah, all of those different felt body sensations as we learn? And so yeah, then often children in schools will be labeled as being defiant or difficult or having some kind of disorder because they can't sit still and be talked at. And, you know, it just when we understand that that is not natural for young children to be sitting in a classroom and, and being exposed to hours of verbal instruction it's just not how we evolved to live there is no way in our in our history in our human history in our 200,000 years and more of human history that we would have been learning how to live how to engage with others how to socialize and how to acquire the skills we need for our life through being sit through sitting down and being talked at that just has never been our experience. And so why we're now in a situation where we're expecting children and where we're thinking, yeah, children go to school and school is where they learn. But how, how, are, how are children really learning in that environment? It's not really meeting those needs at all. And that, that verbal instruction is such a key component. And I know there's lots of schools that are doing lots of beautiful, creative things. So it's not like that in all schools. But the reality is, I mean, when I think about my schooling, for example, I spent eight hours a day at school learning and the rest of my time at school too because I was at boarding school, but eight hours a day learning. And the way that I learned was that people talked at me the vast majority of the time. Oh, my God. And I'm sending so much <laughs> love to you because I don't know about you, but I still now I have so much of a big no to being talked at. Like it's the feelings that I have are so strong. And it's almost like there were so many bazillions of hours of being talked at. that I'm absolutely unwilling to do that, to have that experience, mm -hmm. even for five minutes now, because it's horrific and horrible. And just, that, you know, I can feel it in my body that exactly as you're talking about, the overwhelm and the overstimulation, the disconnection and the powerlessness and just like the you know what the hell and what what choice have we got then but either absolutely dissociate because it's so uncomfortable in our bodies as little as little people as any age person really or we move into that hyper arousal and we start fidgeting or we start you know talking to our friends sitting next to us or tapping our foot or you know whatever the thing is and then get punished and shamed and you know just i mean the and really to understand the whole reason that it's verbal instruction is because the natural way that we learn, coming back to natural learning, the natural way we learn and would have learned for millennia through embodied experience in our culture, witnessing what the, the people around us are doing to survive and to grow and thrive in a culture and to gradually become more and more part of that as we gain more and more skills and capacity through doing, through experiencing, through, through trying things out and getting support when we need help but you know it's just uh, and the whole reason that school is that verbal instruction is because you cannot really do that with one or two adults and however many 18 to 35 children however many are in a, in a classroom that form of learning does not work with that kind of categorization and it doesn't work in one room with you know stuff in the room that's not that's not possible but the the paradox is that we've come to say that is learning rather than know what happens in real life that's natural learning this is artificial what happens here so it's, we've we've got it all mixed around in our culture we think that reading and writing and sitting down and, and writing stuff and being taught stuff is the way to learn rather than that's a completely artificial setup which is trying to in some way copy the natural learning process and yet misses out the majority of it and and is actually traumatic for many children.
Mm, oh, I love that, Marin. Yeah, yeah. It's so the opposite of what is really helpful for, for children to learn. And I just, I have so many memories myself and I just can imagine that sense of, of being so, it's like the stultifying boredom of being talked at, at for hours at a time. And if you think about, I mean, when I think about all the things that I want to do and what I want to learn now and all the things that are giving me so much pleasure that I'm learning about, it's it's never the helpful way for me to sit and have somebody talk at me and instruct me verbally. That just is, I mean, I love watching YouTubes and people talking about things and I love listening to podcasts and, and hearing people talk about stuff and learning that way. But it's not the same when you're sitting in a classroom and you have no choice about what, what people are saying to you and you have no opportunity to escape from it or choose to do something else if this is really dull. And you're going to be tested on it. So you have to remember it, even though it 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 there's no it, it fires you up. It, there's no none of that. There's no excitement. There's no interest. There's no motivation. So you're like denying your own passions and interests. And you're having to endure this relentless, boring <laughs> verbal instruction day after day. It's just so uninspiring. So is, isn't it? And and what I love, as you're saying, I love doing online courses. What I love is I do them when I'm really called to do them, when they resonate with me and knowing what I particularly love about online courses compared to even going and sitting in and doing a two-day workshop, which, you know, again, can be different as an adult and there's often different forms of learning. But to know that at any point I can go... I'm going to stop the video now because actually that's enough for me and I want to take that in or I want to try that out or I just want to integrate that or actually I'm not enjoying this part I'm just going to fast forward that like to me that's what I love about all these new form formats of learning provide and of course for our children as well and particularly as they get older mm. that they, that can include online learning it can include verbal instruction but done because they're interested in it they want to and knowing at any point if they're not they don't they don't have to all the things that you said and they're not going to be tested and not going to be punished and they're not going to you know all that other stuff mm. so it's so much about the interest the choice the willingness the engagement completely different experience so it's not the verbal instruction per se it's the fact that it's the only thing <laughs> it's mm. within a culture that's there's not much else going on and the, all the things you said the powerlessness and the lack of choice and the fact that yeah. it's just one thing yes yes and that each child is going to have a different tolerance for what they're being instructed in and so some children will have grasped it straight away some children will have missed it at the beginning and therefore within 10 minutes it's it's a complete waste of time because they haven't understood the basic concepts that they were explaining and I mean I remember myself so many times when my children were little and they would ask me a question and I would be like, right, okay, so this is a really good learning opportunity. So I'm going to go into this in full detail. And my husband does this as well. And he goes into this full lecture mode. And you can see when your children have had enough, it's like they're switched off now. They're not taking on anything else. They're not able to process anymore. They don't want anymore. They've got what they need for now. And in this natural learning way, they can then bring that up later if they want to learn more about it, or if we want to, you know, expand their knowledge and understanding, they will bring it up and then we will have more conversations about it. But you can see in the moment when they've had enough and they're like, okay, thanks. That's enough for me for now. But in school, that's it. Regardless of, of, of where you are, you, you have to sit and endure the rest of it. So often being, because you're being talked at in that way, you, it undervalues everything that you, any learning that you actually do. And because you know you're going to be tested in it, that brings in this whole stress element and this whole anxiety for children around, will they retain? And I, I noticed that in myself. I When I learn things now, I actually, I do write them down. And partly it's because I, I love writing, but also partly it's because I think if I don't write it down, I might forget it. And then if I forget it, or I don't remember it in the right way, I'm going to be in trouble or I won't get the right score. And so I can see how that stress is really interfered with my capacity to learn through through verbal instruction as well and through being in that school environment so yeah whereas when our children are at home and they're allowed to just explore things to whatever extent they are ready to explore it to and are motivated to explore it to it it they retain it and they understand it and they they want to build on it and they want to learn more it's just so much more powerful 
Mm, gosh, I had so many ahas then, Joss. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm learning so much. And to me, that's something about, you know, the thing about being talked at, again, is so different. If you're, if you're at home and you have just, you know, one or two or three, whatever, children, it's a much smaller ratio that we can have those conversations. So we can see, we can observe if we're talking to one child and we're talking and they're starting to glaze over or they're looking around and or that you know whatever they just you know they or they clearly just tell us you know I don't, I don't want to hear anymore we we can then have a conversation we can you know so they might ask questions or they might share actually what I really wanted to learn about is this or or can we talk about that instead so it's a conversation and again I think it's this real demonization and devaluing in our culture of the power of conversation and the profound learning that happens through engaged conversation you know which I'm experiencing right now with you is like the richness like you know I've been doing this stuff for a lot of years so I have learned so many things from having this conversation with you and hearing your perspective and then I have the some little ahas and then I can talk and then you know that's it's one of the most powerful ways we learn and one of the ways I've really witnessed this is watching or listening to some people that I really enjoy in podcasts and actually seeing them evolve through the process of conversation and and actually witnessing them learning and getting stuff you know perhaps I might have known something that they didn't know and then they have these conversations and you know, we can literally see that we see it in adults too the profound learning that happens and again it's you cannot recreate that if you've got you know, one adult to 30 children it's just not possible whereas at home it's there's so much of the richness that happens through the, the natural conversations in life that happen you know whilst brushing teeth or in the car like looking at signposts or just before going to bed and and the things again that are so not valued they're not seen as learning and I remember for myself in the in the in the de-schooling process and the uncolonizing process of like not valuing those things because they were also, you know, especially when I had the border studies thing, how am I going to articulate all the bazillions of conversations that we're having every day because we're living together, we're living life together and all the learning that's happening in enriched, embodied, integratable ways because they are the snippets and sometimes they're long conversations but it's just it's a completely different experience from being talked at as one of 30 children isn't it and i i stand for the power of conversation and the richness and the reclaiming of that from the the disconnected domination culture because it's it's one of the most powerful ways we we learn and grow Oh, I should I get that. off my soapbox now. I'm very impressed. <laughs> I love passionate. your soapbox. I loved hearing that. Yes, the rich power of conversation. And I, I always used to talk in my when I had we had meetings with the moderator about much of our learning is conversation based. But it's not until I actually heard you saying that, which is this in action, that I really appreciated that. Yes, it is. It's that conversation is how we learn and how we share with each other, and the fact that it's a two way thing, and the fact that it's responsive. You know, and you can't in a in a school situation, you can't respond. I mean, sometimes children are allowed to ask questions and you might respond to that question. But you've got a set thing that you have to that's a set of information that you have to convey during that set time. And so but at home, it is this beautiful, natural ongoing rich process of, of communicating with each other and understanding each other better and and often I mean p- parents would say well I can't what well, I don't I'm not very I'm not very good at maths how can I teach my children maths for example and it's often we would have conversations and my children would ask me things that I didn't know the answer to even though I'd been at, theoretically at, at one of the best schools in the United Kingdom for 10 years of my life but that process of of learning things together and exploring things ask the kids would say you know why is the sky blue and I'd be like "Mm, good question (laughs) let's explore that and then we could be exploring it together we could be pausing if we were watching something talking asking questions and like saying oh isn't that interesting and I found that really interesting that this that it's just such a beautiful way that really supports us to understand things at a deep level and to be inspired and so like enthralled with the wonder of all the things we're learning and how powerfully that contrasts with the 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 boring kind of drudgery and the burden of of being talked at for hours on end about things that you're not interested in or that you maybe were interested in but you're certainly not interested in by the end of a double maths lesson or whatever it was (laughs) 
Oh my gosh, I'm also I'm having so many memories. This is a wonderful conversation. I'm loving it so much. And having starting off also, we go, you know, one question like, why is the sky blue? And then reading a book and then looking something up and then watching a YouTube video and then we're, we're having conversations and then and then you know by the end of the day we've gone down 17 different things start you know and again how you know my understanding of how learning happens that those what are those you know the, the synapses and all the ways that that learning happens in this enriched embodied way that we would we would be like integrating all these different forms of information mm-hmm. in ways that was so it's like you know the the surprise of starting off with why is the sky blue to like you know going through 17 different other things to to end up you know let's oh i want to learn how to play the guitar today i mean just so wondrous like the magic yeah. of following interest following conversation following what what we're interested in and and what brings joy and fun and laughter and I loved, yeah, I love that, Marion. And I, I loved with my children as well that we would have these conversations and then w- one person would go off on that in that direction and be interested in that and it would become something totally different. And then I might be like, well, actually, I'm really interested in that and I'd like to learn more about the refraction of light or whatever it is. That, you know, and, and another child would learn something else. And, and that was all equally valid and all equally beautiful, whatever it looked like. So I think it, when you understand that power of the conversation, and when you're doing it at home where you're not trying to demonstrate knowledge, you're just trying to acquire and explore things that you're interested in. So it's a totally different perspective. So it's fine to have thousands and thousands of conversations day in, day out with your children, exploring all kinds of stuff. You don't have to prove to anybody what they've learned as a result of, of those conversations. Whereas when you're doing it in school and you have to have you have to be doing this test and you have to be you know, everybody in the school has to do an exam in NAPLAN or whatever it is in order to show that everybody's learning. You can't have you couldn't have somebody from the Department of Education sit down with every single child in the room and just say, what do you love? Tell me about what you've learned this year and what you really enjoy. And what what, what are you really into? You just you couldn't do it. But we, we don't need to demonstrate learning because we can see it. We can see it happening all the time in all those different ways. Yes, although I do want to say because of my own conditioning and the fact that it, we were registered and over the years I did get less and less so, but I could many, many times I'd be like, great, we're on this topic, right? And I'd, be, and I'd kind of get coercive and want us to stay in that topic and go, and look, and there's the, I bought these seven books already just in preparation for this. And then they're already gone on to the next thing. And I, I could definitely explore that many times of like me rigidly wanting them to stay in one place so that I could tick some boxes. Yeah. And that n- never worked out so well. <laughs> no, and that we need to reassure ourselves as well sometimes because yeah, we are so indoctrinated that learning looks a particular way. Learning looks like sitting down and writing an essay. That's what learning is. And that's how we prove that we have knowledge. And so, yeah, I have many memories too of doing that myself, whether that was to, to meet the needs of the education department requirements or whether that was just my own fear and worry coming up that did frequently um so yes there was I definitely had those tendencies but I saw the process get easier and easier for me to trust and lots of again lots of conversations with people as well who were also homeschooling supported me to get more and more trust and to learn more about this too so yes it's a it's a deconditioning we're back to that conversation again about the long, huge process of deconditioning ourselves about what learning should look like, what learning does look like, and how we are able to demonstrate that we are learning all the time. Yes, and that's why I love that term, natural learning, because mm. it is natural. I'd yeah. love to go back to some of these other points of yes. Luther's. So, da, 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 da. number four. Play is the primary mode of learning during the first eight to ten years. It has three major functions. Oh, Aletha, I think you're amazing. Number one, play helps children acquire physical, social and intellectual skills. Play helps children understand and assimilate information. And play helps children work through traumatic experiences. I mean, that just like if every parent and teacher and every human had those, just that there wouldn't that make a huge difference Mm. and I love I love how she says eight to ten years because you know usually we would say 
you know, maybe kindergarten or, you know, the sort of three, four, five. Yeah, that would be okay, play. But then after that, really, we need to be getting down to proper learning. Serious. Come on. No, <laughs> yeah, no more playing at school yeah, anymore. Enough, you know, that's enough. for the little children. You're yeah. not little anymore. You're a big boy and a girl. So we want you to sit down with this pen. You can see some of my feelings showing up here. And we want you to write and read. And you can play in the break times. That's when yep. play is for now because it's serious. This is time to get proper serious learning sorry mm. jessica mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> how amazing i, I just I, I mean alisa salter is just uh, maybe just let's taste, take a moment to just acknowledge her incredible wisdom and understanding about humans and about children and about parenting and about supporting and obviously we're talking specifically about the principles of learning here but she she is just such an incredible woman isn't she i mean and she she first wrote this in 1992 (laughs) when we were not even parents and many people listening were like might have been i don't know how many years ago was that now that's oh 30 years some of you might not have been born 30 years ago and yeah And every time I read things like this, I'm like, yeah, it's all there. (laughs) Absolutely. She's captured it all, hasn't she? I mean, yes, acquiring physical, social and intellectual skills. Yeah, It's the primary way that our children acquire skills and knowledge about the world. So, you know, it's having it as the primary activity that our children participate in for hours a day is the best way to support them to learn let's all just breathe breathe and pause for a moment <laughs> not yeah. with well with uh, what was i calling them before those cards not with flashcards flashcards which may i do and say we had those for for fun to look at and to enjoy but not through like this you know learn it quick and early which we're going to talk about as well but just to actually really deeply trust that children come into the world knowing exactly how to learn and that play is the primary way that they do that physically Mm. socially and intellectually so not just physically not just socially but intellectually as well it's the i remember that as well you know we both got a psychology background you know piaget and i know Mm. that some of those things will be changed now but really looking at each of those skills and how they build upon upon the the ones before and if children miss out on those earlier ones how hard it is to think if we haven't actually had you know if we haven't had you know hold a sphere in our hands and hold all the different shapes if we're then later on being taught about all these you know geometry and inverted commas we haven't actually had the the opportunity to play with these and and feel them in our hands and put them in different you know build towers with them and see what they do and which ones roll and which ones don't it's 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 like a it's a structure that's very um, easily collapsible if it doesn't Mm -hmm. have the grounding of, of the play and the felt experience Mm, yes absolutely yeah I love that I'd really love the clarity of that statement amazing amazing and then yeah talking about understanding and assimilating information through play and I've just seen it so many times with my children that they've just acquired amazing knowledge and my my son was really into creating things and building things and making things and, and like sort of I thought oh he's going to be an engineer he's not remotely interested in engineering but yeah that's he just loved building things and I remember he made a he made a whale out of cardboard and he put a straw as the sort of blowhole and at the bottom of the straw he put a balloon that he then filled with water and I remember he he just did it off on his own and he brought it to me and he would squeeze the balloon underneath and the water would spurt out of the blowhole or he would make make things out of like little tuna can boxes and and I just remember my daughter playing for hours with her little kitchen and you know preparing food and oh just oh, there were so many times that they just just created amazing things through their play that allowed them to understand the world around them it's just so powerful beautiful so powerful isn't it yeah I remember that as well my, with my son similar lots of building and and again you know supporting I love how Aletha I always remember that she talks about 
if for something to not be overwhelming is like building upon something that they already know that they have some information about and so I used to really do that if if they're really into building blocks I'd say well how else can I you know offer things and we we can talk about this or maybe we'll talk about this next time you know how how can I support that interest so you know would there be magnetic things or would there be you know what else might I bring into the environment so that they can continue this this joy of learning and and I noticed particularly for my son he he got into Minecraft I did hold off I think until he was about eight but then he really got into that actually they both did but again it was they'd had a lot of experience both of them before and have a lot of you know physically playing with things blocks a lot of building blocks and building stuff and so and I really was confident that it wasn't just some abstract thing for them that they actually they really got that sense of those shapes and I actually remember my son when he was about three we went into this cafe and he started looking at the, the structures of the building and we had that thought you know it's similar isn't it it's this culture oh he's probably gonna be an architect because <laughs> <laughs> he could he could see in a way that I couldn't even as an adult like how the building was was kind of built built and you know so it's just just so fascinating seeing what they're interested in and how they're relating their experiences to the to the world Mm. and i just love that we get to witness it every day like by being together every day we get to witness this extraordinary process of them learning and and how wondrous and amazing it is and and that we're right there by their side learning with them it's so beautiful isn't it step of the way and i'm even thinking even for things like reading and writing which are also magical as part of everything else that i love that i was there every single day seeing them each of them in their own unique process of that kind of thing and how they would learn how they would spell things and how it was phonetic and just like the wonder of like being there all through rather than just missing out on large chunks of that and seeing the results it's just it is the biggest gift isn't it I'm going to cry again (laughs) I know I know I know and it there are times when it's so hard and where it just feels so exhausting and overwhelming for us and we just long to be doing this in our tribes not on our own so I do really acknowledge that there are times when it feels really lonely and really hard as well but that getting to spend so much time with your children and like childhood is like we can look back now and see how fleeting it is and when you're in the, the when you're in it there are times when you just feel like oh my god this is so much I can't can't do this anymore but it's so fleeting and to have been together every day for most of the day I mean they obviously have spent lots of time with their friends and lots of time with other families too and lots of times in the community doing things but to have had so much time together watching them playing watching them learning playing and learning with them to supporting them to release feelings and and use attachment play all the time with them it's just been so lovely I just I, I yeah it's just been the most joyful experience of my life it's so beautiful yeah I so agree I so agree mm, yum so the last one of number four is the play helps children work through traumatic experiences. And obviously in this podcast, we're going to be talking about that a lot as that incredible power that, that play has. And of course, it's such a core element of aware parenting and attach and play. I, we'd both really recommend Aletha's book, Attach and Play, if you want to dive in deeper to that. But just that in combination with natural learning so that children can heal from experiences. And particularly perhaps if they have been to school, they may then, if you've taken them out, or they may then need to or, or choose to do a lot of play around playing roles of being the, the teacher and telling you what to do. And you perhaps, you know, you know, I don't want to do what you tell me. I don't want to be taught to here. I'm going to do, Joss, will you do some attention play with me? Could you yes, I will. I pretend to be the teacher? Yes, please do. <laughs> You know, us as adults, we can use a touch and play, but yeah, so it's so powerful to support them in healing from all kinds of stress and trauma. Mm, yes, so much. And those beautiful nine types of play that Aletha describes. And I also love Larry Cohen's book, Playful Parenting. So many inspiring and beautiful ideas in there as well. But I love how Aletha talks beautifully about these nine specific and describes these nine types and, and how we can use them and incorporate them with our children. But yeah, it's such a powerful, powerful way. And again, like that laughter, the power of laughter and the healing, the healing power of laughter is so misunderstood. And I think it's it's often seen again as, as the lesser 
the lesser of the healing. And even in the aware parenting world, I used to focus a lot on listening to tears. And then I'd be like, yeah, we can do play and laughter. But really, it's the tears I want to get to. I want them to cry <laughs> when they've got feelings. And increasingly, I just saw, oh, this power, this play has a whole other aspect to it as well, which is just so powerful and extraordinary. So yeah, really recommend that book. And then just finding ways to bring it into your life as often as you can with your children. Yeah, so nice. Oh, so yummy. So, so yummy. And you know, I'm thinking there was, there's another cut, number six, number five and number six are still related to play, but I'm thinking there's so much here. Like we can just, mm. we, we mm. could, we do off, offer 10 podcasts on each of these one points that Alita said. So again, <laughs> you can find this on her website, the Aware Parenting Principles of Learning or at awareparenting.com. Yeah. I think our time is up for now. I have another call on. Yep. What, yep. what should we say? What do you want to, is there anything you want to say, Joss, as we finish this episode? Mm. I would love to invite people to just yeah, go and spend some time just watching your child and, and play with them and just, yeah, so tell them that you want to do some special play time and you just want to watch whatever they're into and just observe what they're doing and observe all the different things that they're learning and all the, the beautiful ways that they are understanding the world around them through what they're doing and just the wonder and the amazing loveliness of it all so yummy joss yeah and what i would love to invite is um, if you are who's seeing i'm saying mm, set up joss are you noticing I'm, sometimes yeah, yeah. Mm, i prefer mm, to, no see now i cannot think what i was gonna say no what i would love to say is if you have an empathy buddy and as you've been listening, some feelings have shown up for you, which they have for me, even thinking about being talked up. I probably have many, many years of talking about how I felt being talked up. Anyway, if you do, we, we really invite you to go away and share with your empathy buddy about any feelings that are showing up in response to listening to this. If you don't have an empathy buddy, you can come and connect in. There's a, a beautiful Facebook group set up by our colleague, Carolina, where you can find one or come on the free Aware Parenting Facebook group and come and find one there. It's so essential as part of practicing Aware Parenting and natural learning to really get our feelings heard, both in relation to school and what we experience there and what we experience growing up in our family as well. So. Yeah. And what we're experiencing in the moment around making decisions about what we're going to do to support our children's learning and whether we are going to send them to school or keep them at home and all of those things. So, yes, yes. the more listening that you get for that, the better. Exactly. So vital, yeah. isn't it? Yes. And I would love to I'd love to talk about what we've got offering at the moment. But I want to say you offer particularly sessions, don't you, for parents in terms of uh, aware parenting and natural learning as well. So I highly recommend Joss for, for that kind of support as well. But you've got some other things you want to share about what else you do? Yes. What else am I doing? So I'm oh, yeah. So Danny and I are offering our beautiful aware parenting, exploring aware parenting community that is starting in a week. So I'm not sure when this is going to go out, but hopefully before then. So next Friday. Friday the 30th is when the doors are going to close and hopefully we'll be able to reopen them again from time to time but we're going to dive deep into all of this including lots of stuff about attachment play and trusting our children and, and then doing our own parallel journey of aware reparenting ourselves so that's really lovely and my aware parenting teenagers course is is almost ready to go which I've been saying for weeks but it actually really honestly is um, and I've had lots of people message me about that so I'm really excited to share that and I've just got lots of stuff on my website free articles and free courses and things so if anybody wants to learn anything else about this and yeah and of course our beautiful aware parenting and natural learning community that is hopefully going to be opening our doors again for next year sometime and but yeah that's a that's such a lovely lovely space where we have beautiful conversations about all these things with amazing inspiring women sharing their amazing inspiring thoughts with us yes yum oh I love, you, I love all that you do joss and so highly recommend it. you know i get to be in your presence a lot and, and i so value your wisdom and experience and empathy so i recommend all the things that you do to, to anyone and everyone thank you so much hmm. what about you lovely yes so i have my loving limits deep dive that i just created and i'm really excited about that and just i have loved and again to me this is part of what we're talking about i love that i'm continuing to learn every time i dive deep into any element of aware parenting i learn more about it and get to share more about it so that's my latest thing and i'm really so happy with it and yeah highly 
highly invite anyone who would like to learn more about Offering Loving Limits to have a look at that. And I love that I get to learn every time you dive deep into any aspect of aware parenting, I get to learn those next levels of understanding too. And then imagine it's so incredible that you're sharing this information with people in the early days of aware parenting, this incredible depth of knowledge and understanding and wisdom that you have after doing it for so many years. And so people right at the beginning of this process are learning this like really in-depth and beautiful clarity from you. So Thank you so much for sharing about all that. It's so amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, that means so much to me. And again, you know, I can see when you're saying that to me, I can see, again, all the parts of me at school who didn't get value and didn't get, you know, all of the things that, oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So interesting to see that that process continuing that that we're, you know, so I want to say we're still on that journey of healing from our school hurts and school trauma and deconditioning ourselves and, you know, having feelings in relation to, to things that, you know, in our day-to-day lives that school is still impacting, so. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I send love to everyone who's listening. And thank you, thank you for listening because this podcast, I'm so enjoying it, Joss. Let's just keep, keep doing it forever because I'm loving it. Thank you, yeah, thank too. you, Joss. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Marion. I'm loving it too. And yes, sending so much love to everybody who's listening. And yes, we look forward to speaking to you again. Yes, see you next week. Lots of love. We have really enjoyed talking to you today and we hope that you enjoyed the episode too. We are sending you love however you feel after hearing this information. To find out more about Marion's work, you can go to marionrose.net and for Joss's website, it is awareparenting.com.au. We wish you much love and connection on your aware parenting and natural learning adventures. Mm-hmm.